Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bro, people have been texting me. They, they got to know, how is your aggressive dandruff doing? <laughs> Dander. I, yesterday's Dander. podcast, you were talking about this dandruff issue. Dander. They, they gave me some Dude, recommendations. Whatever. Aloe vera. Listen, and listen Holmes. There's, listen. There's a shampoo and a thing. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you tune in, isn't Happy it? Happy Tuesday. Did you this fight? <laughs> My dander's fine. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> I was just saying, we're, not, we're probably not done talking about church life and why it's necessary so i don't want your dandruff to get all upset no, that's about that. fine i just i i i look jesus has died for the church he didn't Amen. just die for you individually to sit in your living room and watch church on online that's not why he died on the cross okay so if a, okay so best case scenario this guy's like but there's no good churches in my area find the best one you can find and go and be part of it yes they got women pastors that pastor pj find the best one you can find and go and they speak in tongues every find sunday the best one you can find and go <laughs> all, right. all right there's there's greater benefit to you being involved and serving and using your gifts because listen i even if that means you got to drive an hour and a half to find that one drive an hour and Oof. a half to go find it i think you should move at that point well yeah yeah consider moving but again that this person is probably not going to do that because that man that's a lot of sacrifice for me to consider actually moving to some other location just yeah. to be around a church that i don't feel like i need right Right. Yeah. I feel like you're boxing against somebody right now. I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm boxing against an imaginary opponent that I, I really don't enjoy. Okay. I, again, it's, yeah. It, it's probably p- partly what's so uh, so noxious about this is that it, it, and it gets up your nose really bad because that person is typically really arrogant. They drip with... Yeah with uh, condescension yep. and a kind of arrogance, it's really hard to interact with. Yep. And, and that's what, uh, that's what makes it challenging. Yep. Yeah. And if you're like, wow, man, this kind of sounds a little bit harsh from Pastor PJ and Pastor Rod, probably more me than you. <laughs> hey, go, you. go back and read some of Calvin, go back and read some of, of Luther. And did we are so tame compared to we those guys? So tame. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they would call us, you know what they would call us? Namby Pambies. They probably. would call us Namby Pambies. <laughs> Hey, we probably just got another listener in Nambia. By the way, <laughs> hey, if you're listening to us in Nambia, you, you're a one. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for or or gal or cal. Yeah, yeah I guess maybe. that's true. I yeah. Don't know. Okay, chapter eleven. Let's get Jeremiah. what they pay for. Jeremiah eleven through thirteen. It's a lot of chapters. It's like, man. hey, two chat. Here's two chapters. Here's two chapters. Here's three. Yeah, I know. Just throwing it in there, to mess you up, jumping out and punching us in the face. Uh, chapter eleven opens up with uh, the focus on a covenant. Now, let's talk about a covenant. I, we've mentioned covenants quite a bit. I think I don't know if we've really explained what a covenant is um, to this point on the podcast, and and probably taken for granted that a lot of people understand what it is. But a covenant was a, a, an agreement between two parties, typically, in which there were stipulations that both parties had to uh, adhere to in order for the covenant to remain intact, like a contract. Like a contract, exactly. And so, uh, I mean, we, we still have covenants today. The marriage covenant we talk about where two people pledge their allegiance and loyalty and faithfulness to one another and pledge to love one another and pledge to honor and cherish one another. And and the parties are expected to uphold those ends of the, the covenant agreement. That's what is going on there. My HOA has a covenant. Your HOA has a covenant. That's what they call it. 
covenant. Wow. It's an HOA covenant. That's intense. It is intense, right? I, I was reading this thing at all. I don't know if I'm ready for this. It's a this lot of commitment. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Hey, are we, can we take communion at the signing of the HOA covenant? <laughs> no, but so the covenant here is the Mosaic covenant. Now, there are covenants in scripture Two in particular that, well, three, I guess, um, that are, we would call them unconditional covenants. So you've got the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham, you remember, fell into a, a, a sleep when God consummated that covenant through the covenant through the, uh, the offering of sacrifice to the animals there. Mm-hmm. So Abraham wasn't bringing anything to the table in that covenant. This is a covenant God promised to do for Abraham r- r- without contingence upon what Abraham was going to do for God. Then you get into the Mosaic covenant. We'll come back to that in just a second. Davidic covenant. Davidic covenant, another unconditional covenant at least part of it is the concept of having someone reigning on the throne was more conditional but the promise that there would be a future davidic king that would reign forever and ever and his kingdom would be without end it's an unconditional covenant that's an uh, a promise that god is making and he will uphold no matter what uh, you get into the new covenant which we're going to hit in jeremiah 31 another unconditional covenant of god whereas god is entering into this agreement with his people promising to do things that is completely contingent upon him and him alone and who he is the mosaic covenant different. The Mosaic covenant was a law-based covenant where God invited the people of Israel into this relationship with him and said, if you do these things, I will do these things. Again, Deuteronomy 27 and 28 is the backdrop to this. And so this idea of the broken covenant here that opens up chapter 11 is referencing the Mosaic covenant. God is calling out his people saying, you did not hold up your end of the bargain on this covenant. And thus I'm going to go back on the promises and I'm going to bring the curses instead. So the Mosaic covenant then wasn't unilateral. Correct. The Mosaic covenant was a covenant that required cooperation on Israel's part for her to receive the blessings that were promised. Right. Right. Yep. The law based covenant, do these things and you will receive blessings. Don't do these things and you will receive cursings. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it really is, is so much of it comes down to idolatry because, and, and I think Paul hits this really well in Romans chapter one In Romans chapter one, Paul is indicting everybody. Right. And, and the, the pinnacle, the climax of the indictment in, in Romans chapter one is when he gets to the line where he says, because you have exchanged the truth about the creature for, or you've exchanged the worship of the creature for the creator or the, or vice versa. You're worshiping the creature instead of the creator. The, the, the main issue with our sin and our disobedience, the main issue with our breaking of God's law is a worship issue at its heart. Um, and it's, it's idolatry, whether that's the idol of what we desire in, in our lusts, in our heart that we're looking to satisfy. It may not be that we're bowing down to an actual idol, but man, I want this. I know it's wrong for me to do this, but I'm going to choose to serve myself and worship myself rather than worship God by staying obedient to him. Mm. Or if it's in the case of Israel, they're actually going after real false gods. Right. And so that's what he hits there in verses nine through 13 is the, the problem of the, the false gods. Verse 13, your gods have become as many as your cities. O Judah. And then again to Isaiah or to Jeremiah, do not pray for the people. There's, there's that repeated refrain there that he hit mm. last, uh, that we talked about a couple days ago in the, the passage. Same thing. Do not listen to them. I'm not going to respond to them. And dude, they didn't like that. They were no. like, you know what? Uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a resolution to this problem with the, of Jeremiah and his his hometown, Anathoth. They're yeah. like, let's just kill the guy. Yeah. And they, they 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 try. I don't know how he escapes. Honestly, I, I was I was left kind of scratching my head, like, oh, how did he get out of that? Because verses 18, 19, and twenty talk about the the attempt on his life, and at and God comments on it. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life and say, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will punish them. God's going to take care of them. Yeah. But I wonder how he got out of that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Other than I, I thought about the times that David's life was in so much peril and God provided ways of escape for oh, sure. him time God, and time again. God clearly did it. I just like to know how. Yeah. Yeah. It's not there. You can ask him after you talk to Jesus and then Paul, you can go to Jeremiah and be I like, will. Hey, Jeremiah, we'll have a conversation. How'd you get out of here? Also, are you done crying? Do you need a Kleenex? <laughs> Hopefully he's not crying in heaven, man. That'd be a bummer. No, God's going to wipe away every tear, right? That's right. Well, in verse 12, uh, Jeremiah is lamenting the, the current circumstances. He's saying, okay, but I'm looking around and the wicked are doing okay for themselves and the evil are, are prospering here. The treacherous, the faithless are, are thriving. Um, you're near in their mouth and far from their heart. Man, what a what a picture that is. Uh, just a masterful. Blatant hypocrisy. Yeah depiction of of yeah hypocrisy the, the the word of god is in their mouth and yet their heart is far from them it's a repeated theme in scripture right and and uh jesus even picks up on that with the charge to the pharisees as well so uh something that is is a, a common theme unfortunately but uh a common theme well the lord responds to jeremiah and it's he it's rebukes not, his complaint yeah and it's not encouraging that's not no. I, I appreciate the fact that in this particular instance a lament is not what god like he, God hears our laments, yeah. but not all of them are equally valid. Right. He chastises him for this. Yeah. He goes, if, if you've not raced with men on foot or you've raced with men on foot and they're making you tired, how are you going to keep with horses? Right. In other words, dude, things are going to get worse. They're going to get worse before they get better. Yeah. You better toughen up, Jeremiah. Yeah. Verse seven, I've forsaken my house and abandoned my heritage. I mean, talk about, uh, talk about something that would, would cause you to weep and That's lament. Heavy. I mean, I, okay. So then there's no hope right? I've, I've given the beloved of my soul into the hands of her enemies. Therefore, I hate her. Verse eight, a strong, strong language. My shepherds, many shepherds, verse 10 have destroyed my vineyard and things are not going to be good, but there's going to come a day when things turn. And that's where verses 14 through 17 go where he depicts the, the future here. And the future here is the millennial kingdom, uh, a promise of a re- restoration for Israel. But notice it's not just for Israel. There's an offer of salvation and deliverance for the nations here too. And so th- there's this future where God is saying, what is what is wrong is going to be undone. Uh, and is, the wrongs are going to be righted. And there is hope. Uh, there is hope for Israel. There is hope for the nations. Uh, this is not something that Jeremiah was going to experience in his lifetime. It's not something that we've experienced yet in our lifetime. But it's a, a thing that's going to happen and going to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Then in chapter 13, we get this interesting kind of acted out skit uh, parable story here with Jeremiah and his loincloth. Loincloth is not a a term that we use very often, um, but it it had to do with the the garment that you wore closest to your skin. And uh, so this was an undies. uh, Undies, yeah. (laughs) Your fruit of the looms. This was an intimate garment. uh, and, And that's part of the point here is God is stressing through this story that he uses with Jeremiah that he and Israel once had an intimate relationship with one another and yet they, they were defiled. And that's what he has Jeremiah do by taking this, this garment. And he goes to the Euphrates river and there's question amongst commentators. Did he go all the way to the Euphrates river or was there another one that was, I think he goes all the way to the Euphrates river. It was 350 miles plus not a short trip away. Yeah. He goes, he buries this garment. He comes back many days pass, which would have allowed for the travel. And God says, go back and get it again. So he goes back and gets it. <laughs> Could we just have waited there, God? Yeah. <laughs> Why did it have to come back? Yeah. And it's soiled and it's, it's good for nothing. And that's the point there. This once intimate relationship that God had had with his people was now useless and good for nothing because they had defiled themselves and become useless. 
Yeah. Why do you think God has him do this? Like why, why the theatrics? What's about, like, what's, what's God going after when he has, I mean, cause Jeremiah is doing this. Ezekiel is going to do stuff too. And yep. what's the deal? I think it's because of the different ways that different people learn and hear and, and receive information. Mm. I think this is a, uh, God is a God of creativity. And one of the ways that we mirror him in our image mirrors him is through practicing creativity ourselves. And though this is dictated creativity from God to Jeremiah, to those that he is, is addressing, this might speak louder than him standing up saying, whoa, here come the Babylonians and here's everything that they're going to do to you. This might strike a different chord. It's a, it's a different way. God's hitting us from every single different angle in different ways to make sure that we get the point. feels like God is condescending. Like he's, he's doing whatever he can to get our attention. Yeah. And perhaps that's one, one element of it. God saying, look, I'll, I'll do anything to get your attention so that you might pay attention. Yeah. 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 Well, it, as it, it continues on here in, in verses 12 and following, we get into the, the jars filled with wine. There's, there's question there. It, was that a colloquial saying? What was going on here? Was that, again, there's confusion amongst commentators. It, it's possible this was a saying that was, was common amongst the day. Um, but the, the point is exile's coming. And that's where he goes in verse 15 and following, give glory to the Lord before he brings darkness before your feet stumble. Again, it seems like there's a beckoning to repent here, doesn't it? Sure does. Come back to him and uh, and give him glory before these things happen. Uh, But if you will not listen, verse 17, my soul is going to weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. All Judah taken into caps into exile, verse 19, wholly taken into exile. Um, and that's, that's what he says is coming. And, uh, verse 23, if the Ethiopian could change his skin or the leopard, his spots, so then you could also do good who are accustomed to do evil. It's become so ingrained in you that it's like a leopard trying to, to lick its spots off its fur. It's, it, you're, you're done. You just, you, this is who you are. Uh, and as a result, your shame is going to be exposed, which is where the chapter ends. That's kind of a bummer ending, but I will say this, the, the impossibility of our change is, is still just as true today. It's true yep. about Judah. They can't change themselves and, and neither can we. This is why Jesus has to say what is impossible with man is possible with God. And we should trust that even though he is talking about Judah, there is a broader application here that people, and this is what we talk about when we talk about the depravity of man, we're incapable of doing good before God. Even the good that we do do is bad good because it's not good for the glory of God. And therefore, what we really need is is not so much our change in our occupation, what we do, how we act with others, although that's a problem. Uh, what we need is a heart change, a heart transplant. And Jeremiah's going to get there eventually. Yeah. But just so we have a, a preview, thinking about our New Testament here, Jesus can do the impossible. He can raise the dead to life. He can transform us and make us brand new. And that's ultimately the solution that Israel longs for. Yeah. Yeah. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four, as we get into this, remember one of the reasons that Timothy's there is to combat those not to, to teach false teaching it is to combat the false teaching that does exist there. And, uh, and some of that had to do with the handling of the law. You remember, and, and here we get into a little bit more detail of this where Paul's saying, Hey, there are there those that are there that are commanding things. Scripture doesn't command saying that, that marriage is forbidden or that you need to abstain from these foods that God has created to be received with Thanksgiving instead. And so, uh, he's saying, Hey, you know, be, beware of them, watch out for them, Timothy, and teach the church to be on guard against them. And then he says, here's what you need to do. You you need to make sure that you're teaching good and sound and solid doctrine. 
Um, and to do that, Timothy, you're going to have to train yourself. Look at verse seven and eight, train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Listen, pastors need to be on the front lines of pursuing godliness. And if they're going to be effective, if they're going to be faithful shepherds and carry out what they need to do and counsel well and teach well and love the church well, godliness has to be a hallmark of a pastor's life. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy here. Pastor, uh, a father, um, anyone in any leadership yes. position yes. whatsoever, um, even if you don't have, the, if you're not a father yet, um, men are called to lead, women are called to lead in their various spheres of godly influence. And therefore, this is true most importantly and most urgently for pastors. But as the pastor goes, so goes a church. And as yep. the church goes, so goes a city. And as a city, yada, 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 on and on it goes. So let it be true for you, whether you're a pastor or just a you know regular Christian, that your pursuit of godliness be primary. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 10 introduces another difficult uh, verse there. It, it seems at least he says, we toil and strive to this end because we have our hope set on the living God. Who's the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Hmm. What do we do here? Again, is similar to, to chapter two, verse four, where we talked about, he desires that all people should be saved here. God is called the savior of all people. Well, functionally, he is not the savior of all people, right? Because then we would be universalist. Not everyone is saved. God is not the savior of the Islamic terrorist who blows himself up and believes that he's serving Allah in the process. God is not going to save that person. Uh, And so in that sense, this can't mean that he is the savior uh, functionally of all people, but, um, Another way to put it perhaps is this, the the idea that he is the savior in scope of all people, all different types of people, all people without distinction, not people, all people without exception. Um, And that's important to recognize here that that there only is one savior of all people, and that is Jesus. That is God. Um, There's salvation found in no one else but, but in him. And so in that sense, as far as the scope of God's saving reach and who he is, he is the savior for all mankind, but especially uniquely then of those who believe. Those are the ones who he's effectively the savior for. If you think of sufficiency versus efficiency, his death in in offering the atoning death of Christ was sufficient for all people, but efficient or effective only for those that believe in him for salvation. Right. And there is a sense in which you could say God is the savior of all people and that he, he bestows common grace to all people. He is the, he's the, he's the good one. When, when something good happens to an unbeliever, we're not going to say, oh, that's karma or that's, you know, that's Baal or some other deity. That's still God. When an unbeliever enjoys grace, you know, the cancer diagnosis is, is gone. You know, the cancer has been taken care of by chemo and radiation Mm -hmm. therapy or uh, some kind of uh, catastrophe was averted because of the right thing at the right time. God still gets credit for that. Yeah. God is being gracious. We call that common grace. He has the sun rise on the good and the evil. Everyone gets rain, regardless of what religion you are, or what you believe. Uh, that's God's saving. That's God's rather common grace in distinction to his saving grace, which is only for those who believe. So uh, there's a couple ways to look at this text, but no matter how you slice it, what it does not mean and what it cannot mean, because it would contradict Every everything else that we know in scripture is that everybody, no matter who you are, would be in a right relationship with God post-death. That's right. not true. Right. Right. One of the more famous verses in First Timothy is 4.12, where he says to those that are younger, let no one look down on you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Um, what a great 
passage, one that I know you've preached many times before in student ministry. Anything that you want to point out specifically on that passage? Yes. I cannot read this without singing Seeds Family Worship on this verse. <laughs> so the, yes. every time I read it, I can't, it's in my head, man. Seeds Family Worship does this in a, in a song form, and I would commend it to you. It's really helpful. You'll memorize it without even trying. It's that good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But Paul was uh, writing to Timothy. Timothy was a younger man. Culturally, similar to our culture, I guess in the past more so than now, but there was a respect and a reverence and, and a, a, a deference due the older generations. And here, uh, Timothy was a younger man going in and, and trying to teach and correct. And so Paul was saying, don't, don't be bashful because of that, but Hey, step up do what you need to do. Um, and in the meantime, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and the, on the teaching mm-hmm. and lest you, you fall. Uh, it doesn't say lest you fall, but that's the implication there. Make sure that you're watching your doctrine um, because that's, that's the key in all of this. That's where your authority resides is there. Amen. Good word. Well, hey, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. And we'll catch you again tomorrow on Wednesday for see another episode. Huh? I said, yeah, see you Wednesday. Yeah. We'll see you on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.